Kia ora and welcome to Cinema in Context, where we discuss all things film and the connections between. My name is Jeremy Downing. I'm William Chen. I'm Sarah Watt. And I'm Max Tarrant. Each month of Cinema in Context, we discuss two films, one current and one retrospective, with some connection. It could be the same director, the same actor, or a similar theme. This month, we are discussing Mother, which came out earlier this year, and Mother, which came out in 2009. And the connection is, well, they've both got the same title. <laughs> uh, so we'll start off with some introductions. Would you like to start us off, Max, with Mother, 2009? So this is directed by Bong... June Ho. Uh, so this is a South Korean film. Um, it's got elements of horror. It's got elements of uh, thriller and a uh, mystery. Uh, so it's quite an uh, kind of mix up of different genres. And this is directed by the guy who uh, started his filmmaking career with Memories of Murder, which was absolutely amazing. He also directed The Host, then Mother. Snowpiercer, which is more recent and his first American film, and then finally, just uh, this year, Okja as well. Um, it stars Kim Hye Ja as the mother, and uh, Bin Weon as Do Jon, who is uh, her uh, slightly um, developmentally delayed, yeah, delayed um, son, and he is in the dock for. A murder that we're not sure who's committed yet and she's an obsessive mother uh, who goes around the village and tries to find out what has actually happened excellent and sarah would you like to give us the rundown on mother exclamation point yes lowercase mother exclamation point the bane of every english teacher everywhere (laughs) thanks darren aronofsky director of pie requiem for a dream black swan uh the wrestler and if you have to, Noah. Um, <laughs> Feel-good feel classics. Yes. Um, so Darren Aronofsky's version of Mother um, stars Jennifer Lawrence as a woman married to uh, her writerly husband, played by Javier Bardem. Um, and this film has elements of horror and elements of thriller and elements of mystery also. Um, but mainly because Darren Aronofsky likes to um, muck about with uh, narrative and illusion and allegory um, and keep his audience confused. I, w- I like to say that this version of Mother is simply about um, a lovely woman who runs a nice household um, who is then one day receives uninvited guests into her house, which is a horror story for someone like myself. <laughs> so um, I was immediately, uh, it, it immediately felt resonant to me. Excellent. And it's worth saying that we usually try and have uh, a spoiler-free discussion of the new film. But with Mother! Exclamation Point, we just felt that we could not adequately discuss this film without getting into some of its more... Um, head-turning moments, and we, we often keep uh, the old film sort of free game in terms of spoilers. So just this is your spoiler warning. If you haven't seen the films, we will be ruining all of their surprises <laughs> <laughs> if they haven't been ruined already. That's right. Right, who would like to start us off? Where do we begin? Well, I, well, we I could start with Aronofsky for some reason. I feel like <laughs> it's appropriate because it's um, a kind of monolithic film in the sense that it's about kind of one thing that gets pushed to its absolute extreme. Yeah. We have the discomfort of this woman, and over the period of the film, she slowly becomes more and more uncomfortable, to the point that she's in flames. 
Yeah. And her... Uh, She's been beaten, yeah, just kicked in the face. That's right. Um, abused, and her newborn baby has had its head broken off. Oh, the next well, snap. Not, not just that, but um, oh, pieces torn off and eaten. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I have lovely. to say, since we're diving straight into the ending, and, and, and <laughs> this is a spoiler-filled um, podcast, I had some trepidation about going into the R18 um, the celebrated R18 Aronofsky film um, because I feel at my age I've seen a fair amount of stuff that I wish to unsee and cannot and so I was apprehensive that it was going to be um, it was going to push me quite far and actually the more I watched the most as I and I'm, I'm kind of not even joking the most horrifying bits for me were when the, the as things had exploded into the party scene and everybody was in her kitchen and they kept sitting on her um, her unsupported kitchen bench and she said like every good teacher could you sit down could you come off the bench thanks uh, and like every naughty student they did and then they sat back up on it again and her anxiety levels raised um, that for me was horrific yeah, um, but then by the time everything had, had descended into awfulness um, I was like well where's the R18 stuff coming mm. where's the R18 how, how much worse is this going to get because it didn't feel very bad to me so for me, a little bit of uh, cannibalism. I, I, I agree and all with that. you. I wasn't yeah. that bothered yeah. at all. I, I agree I was with you. Relieved. I, I think it's, it's one of those ratings to keep people away or keep children away because yeah, it wasn't. I was sort of going, "Oh, it's R eighteen, and then it wasn't that bad. No, it was. It was, it was oh. like I mean, thematically, it was it was dark, but you didn't mm-hmm. see very much. It wasn't no. hugely disturbing. I mean, people are like promoting this as this great disturbing experience I, I was like uh, yeah. yeah which I don't think diminishes the film at all like I, I I think it was a terrific film I thought the first two personally I thought the first two thirds were just wonderful and then when it descended into madness I got a bit like meh about it that's yeah. just me okay that's just me and two of you but um but I don't think it's any the lesser for not being a hard-out R18 film, but I'm just saying I was relieved, if anything. And, and I, I really don't think it needs to be. I mean, no. you do feel the discomfort of the main character Escalade, as you guys have been saying, mm. and just how the film is shot. It's always her face in centre frame or over her shoulder, and everything feels so claustrophobic and disjointed mm. um, that when you do get to the, the crazy party scenes and to the eating of the babies and stuff... Uh, <laughs> You are in Jennifer Lawrence's shoes, yeah, um, and you feel all that that tense emotion come out. Yeah, yeah I thought I thought she did a fantastic job with mm. with what I thought was one of the worst characters I've seen in a long time. Her character effectively consisted of no, don't do that, yeah. no, don't put that there. Can you please not do that? No, and I just it was just frustrating to me right from the start. But I thought she she did a wonderful job to be the person that we followed through on this. Mm-hmm this whatever it was journey. journey. Um, what did you not like about... I mean, you're suggesting that it was kind of a one or a two-note sort of written okay. character, but do you think that she did it badly, or do you no. think it was an unrealistic character? I thought her character was just boring. I thought she just had... She she was just this, wide, this, this sort of yeah. wide-eyed doe in the headlights that just... She had no real agency but until... But I think she wasn't meant to. You see, I think that she is the foil in a way because all of the grotesquerie is what comes mm-hmm. into the house she's got this ostensibly wonderful husband who actually if he was so needy for celebrity and for everyone else's love that would piss me off too particularly if it's only him and me living in this house and I've gone to these extraordinary lengths to restore it but then everybody who comes into the house Ed Harris, Michelle Pfeiffer and everybody is kind of realistic plus a little bit eh? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And so to me, Jennifer Lawrence kind of needed to be, as I say, the foil. She needed to be more of a neutral character so that these characters were sort of bringing something in that... Do you know what I mean? I do know what you mean. And I, I, I tell you what my... I mean, my comment was, and this is exactly what I said, my friends, top comment, what a stupid film was you, my You reaction. said that, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and I, I love Aaron Aronofsky, or I have loved Aronofsky. All of his films up until this point, I've really Even enjoyed. Noah? But Even Noah, I saw it twice in one day. Oh, oh, oh. That, the, the character. Yeah, well, come, come back to my why I think this is yeah, a stupid just, film. Because it's a bit weird, so... It's meant to be about kind of we should be having sympathy for this woman, right? It's meant to be. I, I felt like there was there's quite a strong feminist message that we're dealing with this crap that she deals with basically, and it must be obviously in real life he's experienced this or done this to a woman or um, you know. Oh, or, there's or, so much to dig into there. You know, something going on there that he's. He has some kind of experience of this and, and feels that there's a pain here Who, that, Aronofsky. Women are, yeah, yeah. that women are dealing with that he feels a need to display and it has to be of the highest order of intensity, right? And then the fact that the, she doesn't have much redeeming features just gives it a... It was, it was something I thought of just before when you mm. were talking about it. She doesn't... She's got no nothing interesting about her and she's actually quite weak. You'd think that he might make her... If we're meant to be sympathetic for her... You'd think he might make you a bit more... Do you guys think this is uh, some sort of admission of guilt? Uh, on his part? On his part, especially... And I, I was reading online to see it's if anyone... Yeah, yeah, exactly. So some sort of like... Or, or redemption. Are you thinking Possibly, redemption? Possibly, right. but the ending says no. So what, what have um, you read that you think that? Well, well at the very beginning, um, the very first shot of the movie, yeah. I, I thought that was Rachel Weisz. I, I really did. Mm. I, d- I did not think it was uh, Jennifer Lawrence. I no, no. Yeah. I don't think that's... No, the, I don't think it was. The first what, shot isn't. Oh, it wouldn't which, be, isn't it? Which would be... The, it's the regeneration ah, thing. Exactly. True. That would be insane. Uh, I, I guess it's not Rachel Weisz, because I looked it up. But if it was, and it really looked like her, ah, that, I, get, I hear what you're saying because he used is to that, be with he used to be with Rachel Weisz. Yeah, yeah. he's married to Rachel Weisz, and and the, ah. the idea that he is treating these these muses as stuff to to be you know to be incinerated and then discarded before a new one. That's oh, a really interesting. Oh, no, because reading. she left him, right? She left him for mm-hmm. James Bond. Yeah. Oh, girl. <laughs> but um, but okay, good point though because yes, let's let's so, so let's extrapolate that he. Was the yeah he destroyed that relationship and Rachel Weisz said you know what I'm not taking this anymore absolutely mm-hmm. which is the equivalent I suppose of the self emulation is that the word yeah. of, you know to hell with this I'm gonna yeah. like burn this stuff down and um, and then you're gonna have to find somebody else which of course he does mm-hmm. at the end of the film then that's interesting and even the more so that Aronofsky is now dating Jennifer Lawrence yeah that's what makes it really yeah awkward. <laughs> But, um, and Jennifer, Jennifer Lawrence has just kind of missed the point of the film and she's looking around kind of going, what? What's wrong? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Everyone else is like, good luck, lady. No, so, well, the, the other reading of it is, I, I thought, would be that this is more symbolic of women's journey in general in oh. recent, uh, well, probably all of history, that, that women are going through the cycle of just being trampled on. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, yeah. See, mine was mine was very mine was that she's the earth and she's Mother Earth and this is oh, well, this is it's the, it's the Bible. It's, yeah, that's what I got. He's the creator. Is, and he's, she's Mother Earth, and, yeah. and humankind is destroying. It, there's there's yeah. like clear, very clear parallels with Adam and Eve and Cain yes. um, the There's celebrity then. That's uh, it's, mankind. That's mankind worshiping worshiping uh, the God. 
And then there's Jesus being the baby. There's yeah. Ash Wednesday with the the marks on their foreheads. I like that reading the most. Um, the biblical one. That that was something that I felt was just the audience was smacked over. Yeah, the, same. Like a big yeah. or, or I don't know. See, uh, my, so my reason why I thought it was a stupid film is because uh, production wise, beautiful. You know, I actually enjoyed all the chaos at the end. Yeah. So I was like, just give me that. This is what you've been building up to. Just fucking <laughs> give it to me. And I really love. I love Kristen Wiig anyway, and she was just. <laughs> she's wonderful. <laughs> she's just great. Yeah. She's one little role, and all the performances were great. But yeah. I was sitting there, and the first, you know, twenty minutes into it, I'm like, all right, okay, so clearly this is an allegory for something else. And the story is not standing up on its own without the allegory. And I'm just like, oh, I'm just going to have to wait for what the hell this is all about. Like, this is just boring. So I was just sitting there waiting for whatever the heck the twist was. And then I twigged on to the whole Mother Earth thing, I don't know, maybe an hour and a half into it. When you're supposed to, I guess. You're supposed to figure it out. And, um, and so I quite enjoyed the, the kind of chaos. And then I was just like, oh... Uh, the fact that you can't describe what this movie about is alarm bells right from the start. You should be able to capture the essence of the tension in this film, but there's nothing. It's just her wandering around a house and people coming in and her getting more and more ridiculous. And I was just like, nah, I'm not alone for this ride. See, I don't disagree with your reading of it because I think it comes through your lens. My yeah. reading of it was so different. And I'm again, I'm not mm. kidding about... Um, I'm not kidding about... Apparently, you know, um, when you're settling in to marry somebody, it's really important that there are certain topics that you discuss that you um, kind of understand where the other person's coming from. And one of those is hospitality. Are you the sort of person who, if somebody turned up randomly on the doorstep, you'd be like, yeah, hey, come on in. Or are you the sort of person who's like, I really needed to plan for this and this makes me feel uncomfortable. Well, I'm the latter, right? I'm not a spontaneous receiver of hospitality. Please note all listeners. (laughs) Um, So for me, she actually epitomized a very realistic character because she was she wasn't even gurning forced smile because she's a more nuanced actress than that but she had the discomfort of oh i've told him he can come and stay and her being completely stuck in a position where she mm-hmm. has to say yes that's fine and then says to her husband did you not think to ask me? And he says, what do you want me to do? You want me to send him away? Well, of course not. So she's stuck, right? And so her niceness about it, which is a painful niceness about it, to me felt very realistic. And I loved the fact that Ed Harris's character stepped up to an invisible line of this could now get silly or caricatured, but didn't quite cross it. And you could imagine that there are people who are that rude and that thoughtless and that inconsiderate but that they exist in humankind and they're not just characters in a book or a film. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So to me, the film, up until the craziness, totally worked because this could happen and it it would be a nightmare. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I hear Yeah. Fair enough. And while you're talking, I just uh, sort of have another connection with the allegory, of course, is the... The, the holding of that crystal and then Michelle Pfeiffer's character drops it. I mean, mm. that's, that's the apple, the, apple the fruit, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. It's right. the fact that they've broken this yeah. this law. But then you, you create another one and it starts all over again. Mm. That, that's another mm. thing. Okay, just that's another thing for me. It's like, okay, this is allegory. He's, he's, he's kind of working in, mm-hmm. you know, looking after our planet, the, you know, sort of religious, religious discussion. But I couldn't figure out, like, what, what he was actually trying to say like is that talking about like god the creator or i guess any creator of art of you know stuff yeah i guess um, it was vague so you like could draw, read it to drawing it, eh? drawing energy obsession from his creations or his oh, I, didn't, I didn't 
Yeah, yeah, I don't know. But because that's the thing. So, like, in general, kind of political commentary about yeah. how. I, I how mean, tinged with, a, a, of course, a lot of religious subtext mm. about how um, an obsession with creation can kind of fuel this this process mm. and how it's it's just a negative cycle that keeps going round and round. See, I, I, I don't mind the vague, I don't mind the vagueness of the allegory. Like that, that was you know, it wasn't. Like, I quite like that we all had these different readings. Like that's appealing to me. Mm. But for me, the actual storyline with in the house was was vague as well. Mm. And, the, mm. and these characters, you weren't really clear what their motivations were. So you had this vague on the surface storyline and this vague allegory. But for me, and, that, and that it didn't it didn't part, work. Partly that one contributed of them... to the to the tension in the in the build up. It's mm. just like. What do these characters want? Yeah. What they, what, why I is like he doing not this? knowing. Oh. Who is he? Why does just, he have that? I just didn't buy that it was going to pay off. Who's the son? Why is yeah. the son here? How come nobody has said, boys, it's rude of you to come into this woman's house? That was my big preoccupation. Mm. Um, you know. <laughs> and it's, but it wraps you up in the speed, right? Like it's just yeah. going too fast and you're just, oh God, why can't they sit down and discuss this? Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. But by the time the two boys had come in, I kind of thought, oh gosh, it's a Bible story. Right. Um, and so I was looking for the references right. at yeah. that point and that's when the movie just dovetailed yeah I think, I think, I think oh. if, yeah. if it is about this really general issue of what creativity is like mm. and and making a big commentary on on the fact that creativity in itself can be so negative then that explains why it's such a big allegorical story i think that kind mm. of has no real concrete um, storyline. It's just a kind of which again, I don't, I don't mind that, but I think you need. I just think you need something in there for me to grab onto that is because I just, I was like not convinced. I was like, none of this is going to pay off, and it didn't. Um, <laughs> and I knew that right from the first fifteen minutes. It's kind of I just like thought, without reference. Point, I can't yeah. be bothered. Like you, you should have done some more work, and you could have actually built in. Like, think of Inside Out, for instance. Inside mm. Out is this children's film, but it's got three different layers of really complicated storytelling going mm. on. But you've got, on the surface, a really clear, straightforward story that you yeah. can latch on to. Yeah. And I feel like if Mother had that layer, you know, and sure, actually, I, I, I watched a really interesting video and it talked about how the way they released this film actually is what's killed it, because it hasn't done very well at the box mm. office. Mm. Black Swan, they released it in, in a, a small a small amount of cinema, uh, theatres. It got uh, art, house, yeah. art house buzz, and yeah. then that's what built it up. Yeah. But with Mother, they just could have splattered it everywhere. So it, it, it invited Hello, people just to... F cinema score. Yeah, it invited Man. people to destroy it, whereas if they'd started it off... And if I'd gone into this film, expect, if someone said to me, look, this film makes no sense... Um, you know, just go on and just enjoy the sensory experience. I perhaps would have mm. been endeared mm. to it a lot more. Can I just say though, just to your last point, did you know that they've just released a new poster for Mother, and half the quotes down one side go along the lines of "This is absolutely ridiculous and disturbing <laughs> and grotesque, and you'll never want to see anything like it again." And the other side is all the positive stuff, both of which are utterly brilliant. And that it's half Jennifer Lawrence's face looking angelic, and half her face looking. Um, whatever the word is, Bettered. when something's been in a fire. Mm. or Yeah, that's right. And and so I think, actually, that's genius marketing. Mm. Because I, it does, it is good marketing. It does yeah. say, yeah. here, this may be exactly what you want. It makes people want to see. Or that mm-hmm. side, or whatever. But I, but I will say is that they, they're marketing this as this horrific horror. It's not at all. Yeah, but no. the, the trailer totally rep, uh, misrepresents the movie. Mm. So, Medell. Medell, let's shift gears um, and get into our uh, quite a different film, really. And... Bong Joon Jun Ho is pretty amazing, right? Mm-hmm. Do you, have you guys seen any no. of his other films? Yeah. Yes, you've seen some. Um, uh, he does all sorts of stuff. It's awesome. Mm. Um, he actually reminds me. Of course, he's nowhere as proficient as uh, Takeshi Miike, 
Mm. Um, but just the the genre, like jumping and yeah. But but he always has quite a consistent tone of voice as well. Yeah, uh, which is fascinating because they're su- all such different movies. Kind the of... host and this mm. and Snowpiercer. Snowpiercer, I well, love. Quite yeah. dark realities and super realities. Yeah. Um. But again, his mother is somewhat steeped in hyperbolized or caricatured reality, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. do I remember rightly, there are no supernatural characters or there are no fantasy no. characters no. or no. elements Wait, like you think that. she's hyperbolized? Well, no, she's, well, I mean, she's over the top. Oh, only ever so, only ever so slightly. I mean, like there could be again, there could be characters. There could be a mother that obsessive. And that loyal. Mm. Most mothers aren't, but they could be. So, so it's mm. within the bounds of reality that a mother might believe in her son so much that she would go to such extraordinary efforts, not only to exonerate him, but to wreak revenge or, or whatever it might be. So it's quite good in that regard. Mm. I think so. It doesn't go a bit cray-cray like in Snowpiercer or yeah. whatever. Yeah, I think that's really one of its um, uh, greatest great aspects is that it's... it's pushing the boundaries without going too far it's, yeah. kind of, it's, it's a it's a dark reality it's believable because it's clinically put together yeah but it's extremely creative and has crazy eccentricity about it yeah. and little details that are so interesting to get to get your hands around mm. I, lo- I love this film I really I had such a good time watching it I thought the, the lighting was just beautiful mm. in this movie and the colour scheme had this kind of Grungy, almost muted gray. sort yeah. of quality but there were some really beautiful moments of just this sort of past, not past pastels but like purples and blues everything's and, desaturated somehow and yeah and that opening scene with her dancing in the field is just such a great surreal mm. moment I just I think it's a fantastic film because it it's one of my yeah. favourites probably that I've seen in the last couple yeah. of years I think but his I mean I love his other stuff Memories of Murder is just amazing as mm. well admittedly mm. I saw that a long time ago but it's just, it's just, it, for me, it just feels so clinically put together. Everything is there where it's supposed to be. Yep. Um, it's fantastic. I, I also, um, I, I also love how how much of the characters' decisions feel natural and character driven by the end of it. Like, yeah, it does go a little over the top, uh, but me as an audience, I never questioned why the character would do that. I, I agreed with the character decisions because you mean of what her? uh yes, mainly mainly the mother. Mom. Yeah. Um because of what you had seen before and everything made sense and it was like nothing felt out of place. What about little um things that are unlikely but just happen like uh when um the boy um what's his name? Do Jun uh turns up at the burnt down house that the mother's burnt down of the of, and the, and finds the junkyard the, man. So, yeah. And just kind of on his way back from prison, he yeah. just spots it on the side of the road. And then what does he grab? It's the acupuncture kit. Does that jump out at you um, at all? Not, not really. Sarah. I want to hear from Sarah. But yeah. No, no, you go. Um, for me, it just felt like, oh, you know, it's, it's a story. And yeah. this is how stories go. Yeah. Um, and, and it leads to a very cool ending, you know, where everything kind of fits together. I don't know. I, maybe it is a little tidy. Um, but it, it didn't jump out at me like that. Mm. I, I had issues with, with um, Mother. And I, I guess, I mean, what I liked very much, I liked her character very much. I thought her portrayal was adorable. Oh, she's phenomenal. Her face. She is phenomenal. Yeah. face is amazing. And apparently I think he wrote that role for her. He wanted mm-hmm. to work with that actress, didn't he? And he wrote it for her, which and I love stuff like that. Mm-hmm. My issue, and you're all going to go, oh, 
because it's really not integral to the story. My issue is with the portrayal of all the young women and the sex and the phones and the photos and all the subplot that's obviously needed, in inverted commas, because you have to have a driving force in your narrative. But I just am, I, I have a real discomfort around um, young girls in very short and I know that's I know this is part of culture and school uniforms and blah blah but you know young young girls in short skirts and and they're having sex and as I say they're sort of the objectification of the young woman and and so I feel that I have to voice it simply Mm. because for me unfortunately as I was watching this film and honestly I've had Bong's mother on my my, um, list of films that we must catch up on for, I think, two years now. And this was a wonderful opportunity Mm. to finally go, right, let's do it. Um, And and those sort of bits got in the way for me because they were unexplained Mm. and unjustified, Mm. apart from for narrative reasons. And you can get into a whole other podcast around um, men making movies Mm. where rape and sexual assault become motive for for ongoing action and how it often isn't treated satisfactorily to my mind. Mm. But in this one, it made me go, "Mm." so I thought about this. I thought you may or may not know that Aronofsky and Bong Joon-ho are the same age. They're both currently 48. But of course, Bong Joon-ho made this eight years ago. So he would have been just, I guess, just 40, 39 or 40 when he made this. And And I wondered if I was, I'm being really judgmental, but I feel like I see an element of immaturity in that regard. Or, alternatively, it's just something that really wasn't considered and it is just a case of we need some sort of motive. I, I agree with you. I'll add to that. And I, What I found uncomfortable, despite enjoying the film, the depiction of the, the son and his, his, you know, his mentally... Mental, mentally disabled is that the appropriate term I he's not even quite is he he's only mm. a little he only seems a little mm. bit developmentally delayed mm. yeah not. but it was just I, that is a that just a didn't sit, sit right for me either the way they were treating that and that, that he I don't know just I was a bit uncomfortable about how he was used as a character and, mm-hmm. and the way that it was sort of comedic and well the he, friends all say oh you sleep with your mother do you sleep with your mother whereas he's saying I go to sleep next to my mother yeah, is effectively yeah, yeah. what he's saying and everybody's willfully misconstruing that yeah. and making it all a little bit salacious even though that isn't what I mean there's no incest or anything actually going on mm. that's not the implication mm. right well we you're not sure I wasn't watching. sure no, yeah. I wasn't sure where it was going I think she's just an overly doting mother because there's no, no husband think, around yeah. I think when you've seen the film you know but oh, sure, in terms sure, of when you're sure. first talking about it you don't know you're like oh mm-hmm. gosh what's going on here and I would have been even more discomforted by that because it isn't necessary. Mm. You can have an overzealously loyal, slightly cray-cray mother who gets mm. in, gets up in your face all the time without there being an incest subplot. Do you know mm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, it reminded me of Prisoners mm-hmm. and the fact that you know she's she's trying to she's trying to um, get her son off from this murder, uh, which, by the way fantastic twist that he actually did it like I just mm. that to me was such I had my mouth hanging open yeah and yeah. my deal just but, how it's paced as well where, where and when and how it's revealed to you yeah it was cool. really satisfying yeah. but but what I will say is in, in Prisoners you know you have that, that whole thing about how they the Hugh Jackman and Terrence Howard characters I think yeah. it was mm-hmm. um, yeah. and how they you know they, they get this person that may or may not have taken their children mm-hmm. and then they start doing all these atrocities to this person yeah. it's like they become yeah. Yeah. what they're trying to fight against and just yeah. with her she becomes a murderer to try and yeah. 
to try and, uh, it's just a nice little poetic yeah. justice or whatever it is sort of oh, she, she didn't just become the murderer though because she always had her problems with her being so obsessive right she was willing to kind of kill her own son because of this weird kind of technocratic mindset she has where well in theory we're going to be happy in heaven together so I'm going to go with that I believe in that so dedicatedly that, that this is the way to go does she say that? Yeah. 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 Really? Yeah. She oh. and that's why she kept. She wanted to kill him because um, she obviously does love him, but she just thinks that this is this is the way to go. And I think. Why do you think that she wanted to kill him? Like, I mean, what was so bad with their life? I thought it might. Be oh, that that's that, right. I forgot about that. I, I thought it might. Sorry, be I just that, got what you. They mean. didn't have the, a father in the in the family, and that she was maybe had assumed such a perfect kind of triangle of mother, father, son that when the father was not there she assumed that their lives was going to be crap I think it was just desperation wasn't it it was poverty yeah. and desperation and, and they didn't have she couldn't look after him yeah maybe that yeah, yeah could that, be. that was my and opinion. that she was miserable yeah and, and so she was miserable she wasn't she going to be able to provide up. a happy life for him and therefore mm. it's best mm. that the, it's best that we don't carry on with this yeah so in, so just thinking of, oh you go would you want to oh, say something? I, I was just going to say uh, speaking of miserable uh, it's kind of a segue. Uh, tying back to what you were saying, Sarah, about the the schoolgirl thing being, mm. being a big plot point. Um, to, to me, that didn't stand out that much. I, I think mainly because the rest of the world was presented as such a quote unquote crap sack world. Yeah. yeah. Um, just everything about how the director framed it, like this kind of you know small town Korean life felt uncomfortable and yeah. sad and pathetic and. Like every every character, the the bars they go to, the the school school kids on the street, how there's there's violence, there's you know there's perversions, there's junk everywhere, and all shot in that desaturated grey. Yeah. Um. Just felt like this was not a place he wanted to be, and that's where the story takes place. Mm. And I don't know whether that's social com or maybe it's social commentary. It might be social commentary. It felt like and, it. And, there's yeah, a very and, clear comment commentary of poverty. And your point, your, I mean, your point stands, but then. It does kind of it, William's point softens it at least, and and for example the way that um, those boys are treated that gets kicked in the guy that gets kicked in the face and mm-hmm. the tooth falls out it's kind of like at least he is dealing that same kind of violence. Oh, true. There's but, retribution. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I think your point stands though. It's definitely a little bit unexamined, isn't it? Well, just the fact that the murdered girl basically had sex with everybody. I yeah. Mean, yeah. Well, but she, I mean, she, that's partly commentary as well, right? She had sex with everybody in the depths of depression and, and a completely messed up life. Yeah. I thought of a plot hole as well when I was watching the film. So, mm-hmm. this, the homeless junk collector who, you know, there's a, there's a point in the film where you think he's done the murder and then he reveals that he was just, in the, he was just there and he saw it happen. But the reason why he comes into the story is that he's, there's a photo of him on that girl's camera. So it's not clear why he's on her phone. Right. Yeah. And so I was sitting there going, oh, are they going to flip this around again? And actually he did do the murder. But it never really came back into it. So I was like, why is he on her phone? And 
Well, isn't it that she took pictures? Yeah, didn't she take pictures of everybody that she slept with, and therefore? So did he? So he obviously did sleep with her. Yes, but maybe not at the same time, which makes it a bit of a long. It's a bit of a yeah. They didn't really. It was a bit weird. No, but I mean, even if if it's a small town, even if he had, doesn't her phone work as sort of a dossier of you know? Here are some people who I have feel I have been wrongly treated by or something. You know. So so maybe it's to soften it so that we, the audience, go well. We don't feel that bad that he died because. Even if he wasn't the murderer, he was creepy. Mm. Tick, and, you know. In terms, I don't know. Of, in terms of the darkness of the film and the and the presentation, mm. I thought that's kind of an interesting presentation in contrast to what most people know of Korean yeah. um, media. Isn't this interesting that this is kind of like an underworld of Korean productions? We've got K-pop and K-dramas. Yeah, yeah. sure. And then this yeah. is such a... That is a really good point. ...strong opposition. <clears throat> Absolutely. And I wonder if it's a real... I, I, t- I took a lot of this film as kind of critical of Korean society and being too rigid and being perhaps too obsessed with family or ties. Um, but he's he's kind of like... Stuff this bullcrap, um, kind of K-pop and stuff. Let's present this super gritty <laughs> sure, reality. Sure, sure. Yeah. And and wouldn't that be said of, of most of his films? Yeah, yeah. I, think right? so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, even even when it's not like all downtrodden and and you know horrible, it's still like deglamorized to a certain extent. Mm, like mm. Um, when you visit the 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 young couple having sex and she's in the closet. Mm. And it's so rare to see someone's room like that in a movie. I, that, mm. That's the first thing that jumped yeah, out. Yeah, that same, I agree. in comics, yeah. and there's like dirty clothes strewn yeah. everywhere, and it's not done so in a, you know, production design way. Or, mm. I, I mean, it is, but it feels like it's not. Yeah, I agree. It feels like a poor person's household mm. where there's just, people living there yeah. and with like daily detritus or just a single man actually yeah. is what I oh, thought because yeah, well, yeah. isn't he just kind of some loser 20 something mm-hmm. single guy kind of living at home in, in a yeah bed city sort of circumstance but yeah so so both <coughs> films both films are about mothers they're called mother and they're both made by similarly aged men mm. um, I wonder if we'll get a film one day that's called Mother that's made from a female perspective. Yeah. Because there's also like... Pedro Almodovar's mother as yeah. well. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> true. At the same time of his life. Mm. <laughs> so it's, a, it's an interesting way to place a film and it definitely places that character as they're defined by their role to other people, isn't it? It's one of those classic female archetypes, the mother, the virgin, and the prostitute, the isn't it? Oh, or the crone. Right. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Um, and interesting also that both directors, as we've said, do have quite um, varied uh, filmographies. I do, mm-hmm. I really respect the winter bottoms of this world and the, the, the directors who dabble in lots of different genres, and both of these guys do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's interesting. And they put women at the forefront of their films. And do they pass the Bechdel test? Um, pretty sure y- yes. Mother does, and I imagine Mother M- does. Uh, yeah, my Mother, uh, Medeo, um, but I mean, she talks to various female characters throughout. Not about her son? But it's usually about oh, her son. Oh, wait, wait, oh, yeah, that's man. The thing, right? Oh, no, no, no. Oh, she talks to the, the schoolgirl about a cell phone. Uh, it's connected uh, to yeah. her cell phone. Uh, <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> what about um, the in, in Mother Exclamation Point? Does she ever have conversations with. Yes, they talk about doing the laundry. Um, so, uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> and lemonade. It's even more telling. That's man. right. Lemonade. How, how to make lemonade. It's partly intentional as well. Washing machine. It's partly intentional though as well, right? She's, <laughs> that it's meant to be the super domestic kind of 
overly domestic kind That's of conversations. Right. Can, I, I, can I just say, my other horror in the um, in mother exclamation mark because I'm a massive laundry doer is the way <laughs> is the whole don't put anything in there right now, don't put them on the floor. Yeah. I would be losing my beep about that. Can I just give a shout out to my husband who his interpretation of the fluorescent green um, knickers, the the pant the panties, hate that word that Michelle Pfeiffer has. He 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 thought that was like the apple in the Garden of Eden because it's used for temptation because mm. ah. they're like frilly knickers. Oh, and okay. then of course Jennifer Lawrence chucks them down the back of the um, washing machine, which I think what, is what one about, of the best. What parts. about the the powder that she's? Well, what is that? Yeah, Does, I I had no idea what that was. No, um, I don't the, know. The, the yellow yellow drink. Does it have an environmental? I mean, it's Quiz. kind of gold, isn't it? Yeah. But but does it have an environmental analogy? Vitamin C. I don't know. It's just it's just sort of whenever she it's whenever she's under distress, and I initially thought when I was watching it, is there some sort of alternate reality going on here that she's oh, sort of peeking into? Nice. And and the fact that she doesn't really know what's going on, has she been? You know, when the film started, had she just been created, which kind of is what happened? Um, and and is everybody else aware of what's going on? And and actually, there's this other story going on, but then that never really went anywhere. I mean, uh, by the way, she has just been created, right? Yeah. Because the first shot, of, uh, I mean, of her is her, like... Appearing. Yeah. It's her there. waking up. And, and we see that's a the different final person. Shot yeah, that's well. right. Yeah. Waking up. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I also kind of want, want you guys um, to ask you guys what you thought about Mother being a <laughs> companion film. Being a what? A companion film to Noah. Uh, mm. I mean, they're both... But I, I've read that Aronofsky says Noah is more of a, a Jewish... Uh, version of of the story, yeah, yeah, you know, the, it's the, a mixture the old, of Old Testament yeah. and New Testament, kind of. Um, oh, no, no, they're both Old Testament because Adam and Eve and Cain oh, and Abel wait. are as old as it. Old yeah, as it oh, wait, no, no, it's, it's, it's different. It's it different. It's yes. not the Christianity version of Noah solely. Yeah. They, he he pulls from because that yes. flood story is in present in a number of religions. He mm-hmm. pulls from lots of different places when all the Christians are all up in arms and as, as, a, as a fellow Christian if, if they're all up in arms it's like oh guys come on it's not just your story you I know? was more up, um, for Noah I was more up in arms about the fact that they didn't have cockneys called Ray Winstone back <laughs> yeah, in yeah, them yeah. days all going around like that oh, oh I thought that was a terrible it's film it's interesting though companion films oh, yeah. because Black Swan and the rest that are designed mm. as sibling films yeah, that's, right. Right. that's right I love this idea of sibling films because it happens with um uh, Guillermo del Toro's uh, The Devil's Backbone and Pan's Labyrinth and there's the sort of the feminine and the masculine yep. kind of paired together nice um, but yeah I hadn't really apart from the biblical connection I hadn't mm. really they're so different genre yeah. generically I would have I, I don't um, but, but I mean well when I was thinking about it for me the, the main connection between the two apart from the biblical aspects is the environmental aspects um, right they do have both of a clear yeah. environmental that's um, true and it, it seems like um, Aronofsky is just He's an angry dude. <laughs> and he, especially when it comes to religion and the environment. Mm. For some reason, um, it reminded me of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Oh, yeah? It's just like kind of going deeper yeah, and deeper into this bizarre, surreal world. It felt, it felt like Children of Men for me in that whole ending sequence. I was like. It reminded me of Dante's Inferno, actually. <laughs> um, it actually, though, did. Yeah, that's um, good With call. the, the yeah. different layers of hell, yeah. because things yeah, got more right. and more hellish, yeah, right good. down to the pagan. Well, I guess that doesn't make any sense, but the rituals and the, yeah. the destroying yeah. of the babies. And there was some sort of, to my mind, some Renaissance painting kind of. Imagery. Particularly after she had just had the, uh, Jennifer Lawrence has just had the baby, mm-hmm. and then, then there's light, and there's this lovely, um, what's it called? Not quite muted, but that lovely softened sort of 
mm. mother holding the child, sort of Caravaggian sort of painting. That's mm. what I liked. Mm-hmm. Well, what about the end of, of um, Bong's oh, mother? So good. Love so it. where does she go? She just goes on holiday. I love that final <laughs> shot. <laughs> oh, that, no, that final shot on the bus. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I feel, like, so I feel like it deserves to be emphasised even more that this, how beautiful this film is. It, it is yeah. beautifully beautiful. made. It is beautiful. <laughs> and just details. It's amazing. And the music. But, so she, she takes her own acupuncture. Medicine, there, right? yeah. Just the acupuncture. Think it, is it, it's like, God, I feel crap about this. I've made a big mistake, but I trust in my own kind yeah. of yeah. therapy so much that I'm just going to get over it and go have a good time. That's right. I and, love and, and it. And forget the memories of it all. Yeah, yeah which is great. And memory. We didn't talk about memory, but obviously a lot of it's about memory. Yeah, yeah it's um, it's it's pretty convenient now. <laughs> memory is like, oh, I remember this now. And, yeah. But I mean, in terms of narrative purposes, again, I I had no problem with that. It's no, a, it's a bit. I, I wonder if that may be a historical thing as well. Like, kind of, what do we remember collectively? in our history of career and stuff and what gets forgotten ah yeah. so maybe it's more of a social commentary than we realise yeah so one film is an environmental commentary and the other one is a I think commentary, it's a commentary on, on career a little bit yeah. yeah yeah thank you for listening to another episode of Cinema in Context if you enjoyed our podcast then please share it with your film loving friends you can listen to Cinema in Context through SoundCloud or through Apple Podcasts you can also follow us on Facebook or subscribe to us on Twitter or YouTube which are also great places to let us know what you think of this episode or give us suggestions for future films to discuss or compare. Look out for our next episode in a month's time. And until then, ka kite anō.